Insights with Maggio Group. My name's Bridget Lacey. I'm joined by Maggio Group Managing Director Sam Maxwell. And we really need to chat about tennis because it's front and centre in Perth, our hometown, this weekend. And a huge event, really, for the whole tennis world because Fed Cup's changing from next year on. So this is the last regular final, as we've known it, over many years. And, of course... Australia's chance to win for the first time in 45 years, um, break a massive drought would be enormous, especially given everything that's happened this year in the sport. So Ash Barty leading the way for, for, for our country. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around about her at the moment for, for very good reason. We saw what she did in Shenzhen on the weekend, won, I think, six and a half million dollars, Sam, which is not too bad, but it's so much more than that with Sam and, um, so, sorry, with, with Ash. Um, we'll talk about Sam in a minute, but um, can you put into words what <laughs> Ash has been able to do this year? Ashes, I mean, Ash's year this year is just, I mean, to, I mean, to, to use her um, words on social media after she won was just incredible. I mean, to, to, to start the year from outside the top 10, um, to firstly have her career best result, firstly at the Australian Open, um, and then to roll that, winning that title in Miami was, was massive. Um, that was probably the, the one that I think really probably gave her a lot of confidence to, you know, that she can really compete with those, those top couple of players. Um, but then yeah, to, to win a slam on, on you know, on the, the clay courts at Roland Garros, she just played unreal that whole fortnight. Um, and, you know, to be, you know, crowned world number one, you know, the week after was, you know, sensation. I think what, what I've really enjoyed watching is, is how the Australian public has, has really got behind her as well. You know, she's not just she's not just a super tennis player. She's she's such a she's such a good person, and I think everybody has really everybody's really seen that, and it's been so good um, that she's been able to you know put not just put Australian tennis but put Australian sport you know on the on the map, um, and it's been it's been really good. But as you said, for for her, and I know that that this weekend being the Fed Cup final has been um, something that's been earmarked on her calendar, um, and equally the the other girls as well, um, her calendar for, for for a while. And if if she can, you know, somehow win, I shouldn't say somehow win. If, if she can win, you know, help Australia, you know, win the Fed Cup this week, I think it would, you know, probably cap off just an unbelievable year. Not only just for her, but for Australian tennis um, as well. And I'm, I'm really excited from a um, just from a tennis fan side of things. Um, the the fact that you know we we've we've got the we've got the final in Australia, let alone in our you know own backyard of Perth as well. So it's really exciting, and um, I can't wait. I did wander down to the the arena this this week, and it's looking fantastic. I think yep. it's going to be. A really great atmosphere inside there, and 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 you're just speaking to even the staff and the journo's, they're delighted that it's in Perth. I think that'll infect the players a bit. We we've, we've got great weather, so um, I think even though I'm sure Ash and the rest of the girls are pretty tired at the end of the season, it's hard not to get energised in an atmosphere like that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, for a, for an a, a atmosphere that you know that with so much on on the line as well. You know, as you said, it's the first time in in decades that Australia's you know going to have a shot at the title. Um, but I think, as you said, you were at the, the press conference yesterday with, with Ash and Sam Stozer and um, one of the Tennis Australia um, media, you know, people were saying that they reckon there are more people there for Ash Barty than, than Roger Federer. 
um, when he was here for the Hopman Cup earlier this year. So I think that probably you know says a lot about the interest, um, not only in um, in Ash but also the tournament, uh, also the final this weekend. And as I said, I can't I can't wait. To just for people who don't, I guess, follow it maybe as closely, um, the French team. Um, what are you making them coming in? Tough. Look, they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat. They they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of options. Um, on the Australian side, it's it's pretty clear that um, Ash Barty, while well, she played both singles, and I mean more than likely she'll she'll pair with with Stoza, um, with Sammy Stoza in the doubles. I guess Alicia has a couple of options on the who plays the second singles. You've got Isla Tomlanovic, uh, who's coming in for a Fed Cup debut, who's had a pretty good year, won a couple of big matches. Um, Fed Cup atmosphere, like Davis, the Cup atmosphere is very different to, to normal um, to normal tour matches. So it'd be interesting to see how how she goes. She she plays a big game. Um, I think the courts here, the um, the conditions will suit her. But equally, you need to throw in someone like a you know Sam Stoza, you know. People forget, um, and I said this um, actually to someone last week, people in Australia and around the world ha- just forget how good a career Sam Stozer has had. She's been top five in the world. She's won a Grand Slam title. She has, um, you know, she's made other Grand Slam finals. And you know, let, a lot of people forget she beat Serena Williams, Centre Court, Flushing Meadows, in her own backyard. Um, she cops a lot of criticism here in Australia completely unfairly um, for, for her career. And look, she hasn't had the best results that she would like, I'm sure, um, at the Australian Open and in Australia. I don't believe the conditions at Melbourne Park probably suit her as much as, as they do um, in other parts of the world. But, you know, she's had an unbelievable career as well. Um, and we've got, you know, two Grand Slam fine, two Grand Slam champions um, in our team. So the French be tough to beat. They've got to say they've got a lot of options. Um, Kiki Milanovic is obviously you know coming off a pretty good week last week in Shenzhen as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, what singles options they go with, and then you know if it does come down to a live doubles um, come Sunday afternoon, um, who they go with. But yeah, it'll be exciting either way. Of course, two Hotman Cup champions in the French team as well. Yes. Um, yep. Which I guess is something for them too. Um, you mentioned Stoza. Her doubles of late has been very nice as well. So um, it did strike me yesterday, uh, listening to her speak, uh, 16 years she's been playing Fed Cup for a country. Yep. It's a fair old effort um, to do that and still be at 35 playing as well as she is. So I think she's to be commended. And I think what you said is quite right. We should take a lot of pride in Sam Stoza rather than canning her all the time. Yeah, and I think as well, just on that, I mean, a lot of people forget that, um, you know, Sam, Sam was number one in the world in doubles, you know, before she kind of had that really good singles run. Um, and that really kind of, I guess, helped her from a confidence side of things. Um, she won a couple of slams in the doubles side. You know, she's an unbelievable doubles player. Um, great, you know, great serve, really good hands as well. Um, knows her way around the doubles court. And let's not forget, as I said, you know, Ash Barty as well, um, you know, Grand Slam doubles champion um, as well. You know, not to mention the fact she's number one in the world in singles. So um, if it does come down to a live doubles on Sunday, um, yeah, I reckon we're in a pretty good shot. And you're going to have a chat to Casey shortly, but there's a lot of former uh, Fed Cup, Cup players in town as well, so that adds to the emotion of it all. I think it's a nice touch to to invite the past players to be a part of it because it is, I guess, so unprecedented um, in you know over a 50 year period. Yeah, I think Tennis Australia really have to be commended. Um, it hasn't, you know, it's not you know publicly known, but they've invited every player who's played Fed Cup um, tennis. Um, represented Australia, um, they've, they've flown them to Perth and, and put them up 
um, and invite them along. And I think this it probably extends more to the fact it's not just you know this weekend is not just about um, it's not about the the one or four or five players um, that are going to um, you know represent Australia. It's it's about you know it's the whole you know tennis community. You know, so it's um, it's pretty exciting. And as I said, you know, a couple of times before, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Let's hear from uh, one of the greatest Fed Cup players we've ever seen, our very own Casey Delacqua. I was lucky enough to work with Casey Delacqua for a number of years. For me, it really was a privilege. She burst onto the scene at the 2008 Australian Open, defeating former world number one and past champion Emily Moresmo, where her run to the fourth round captured the hearts of Australia. Casey was down to earth. She was authentic and she was personable. This is not only the Casey Delacqua that the public saw, this was the real Casey Delacqua. It was the same Casey Delacqua who was well liked and respected by her peers on the tennis tour and loved by her Australian Fed Cup teammates. For mine, there couldn't be a better person to get an inside look at Fed Cup tennis. Casey Delacqua, welcome. Hi, Sam, how you going? Yeah, good. Look, it's firstly feels strange to uh, talk to you in, in, in this manner, as you know, you, you know. Pretty well working with you over the years. Um, Fed Cup, 21 ties you played. Your first tie um, was against India um, all those years ago. This week, leading up to the Fed Cup final, um, Australia versus France, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, who's contributed to the team over the years. And I just want to quickly play something that's, um, yeah, circled on social media in the last uh, couple of days from Tennis Australia, and I want to hear your thoughts. No other player in the 21st century has embodied the Fed Cup spirit like Casey Delacqua. Her on-court accolades are matched by her ability to mentor teammates, notably Ash Barty, who's carried Delacqua's legacy into Australia's 18th Fed Cup final. Hearing that, how does uh, how does that make you feel? Yeah, look, I was, um, you know, when it when it came out, I um, obviously was. You know, really, it's it's always obviously nice to be recognised, but um, at the same time, like <laughs> I feel like I was just um, doing what I think um, you know most people when they get the opportunity to represent Australia, they do, and that's to really like put yourself all out there. And I did that for a number of years since 2006 when I did play that first tie. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of you know the way that I represented Australia throughout my time and really happy that I've been able to pass that on to players like Ash who represents Australia um, absolutely perfect now and um, yeah so it's, it's I'm, I'm chuffed that you know people see my career playing for Australia like that but also chuffed that I've been able to pass that on to yeah like the next generation of players so yeah really um, exciting weekend ahead. For you, I know the Fed Cup weeks were, all, were always, you know, really special, and they were one of your, you know, favourite weeks um, of the year on tour. For you, why why was this? Well, for me, um, you just had laughs. Like you just had a really good time, and you had a great week. And those are the memories that now, since I've retired, that I do think about because I don't remember playing in, you know, random places and playing a singles tournament and or even some doubles tournament. It's the Fed Cup weeks that you really get. Um, you know, together as a team, which is so rare. Um, you just had your teammates there beside you the whole time. And then when you got to the match days, they were there on the side of the court. It was just such a different feel than any other week. And, you know, as Australians, we love to, um, you know, have a good time, have a laugh. And 
I was very fortunate when I first joined the Fed Cup team that I had people like Alicia Mollick, Nicole Pratt, Renee Stubbs, um, Sam Stozer. So throughout my Fed Cup journey, when it started with them, I just wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be a part of those weeks where you literally did what you love, which was play tennis, but also had a great time doing it. So, yeah, and obviously had some great wins along the way, which always create good memories, but it was mainly the stuff off the court, which is why they hold such a special place um, in my, I guess, um, memory from all my tennis um, yeah, achievements over the years. I want to ask you a little bit more about um, Fed Cup weeks generally in a second, but how? just looking ahead to this tie for just a second, Australia versus France, what are your emotions heading into the final, given that your last professional match was in February of, of last year um, on your birthday um, and against down in Canberra on the grass courts against Ukraine? And it came down, as we know, to the, the fifth, fifth and decisive doubles rubber, which, um, which you and Ash won. And, you know, fast forward, you know, 20 months or whatever it may be and, and the girls in the final, how are you, how are you feeling with the, the weekend just around the corner? girls I'm so happy for them and I'm so thrilled that they're you know getting the opportunity to play for the Fed Cup this weekend um personally it was something that I always dreamed of was to be able to you know represent my country and to play in a final and unfortunately I never got that chance but um you know it's nice to know that you know I played a small part in regards to that Ukraine tie so that last year meant that we stayed in the world group so they had the opportunity this year to play for the Fed Cup, which they are this weekend. So, um, yeah, like, I played a small part in that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, I, haven't, I don't have many regrets about retiring, but I certainly feel this weekend, um, you know, I, I still feel a part of it. I'm here. I'm working with a lot of the younger girls leading into the tie, which is so rewarding. Um, I'm also will be, you know, working TV and commentating over the weekend. So, um, yeah, I feel, um, you know, a part of it. Obviously, it would be nice to be there as a player, but it's just the way that it all worked out and who cares because Australia are in the final. So whether I'm there or not, I'm just stoked that we are playing for the Fed Cup um, this weekend. Oh, no, you're right. You're, you're definitely a part of it. I think I think everybody knows that. So Fed Cup format generally, just really quickly, obviously, as we know, five rubbers, um, unlike the Davis Cup, it's played over two days. Um, the doubles, interestingly, unlike the Davis Cup on the men's side, which forms the third rubber, the doubles is the, is the fifth rubber. So it means either everything and it decides the tie or, it, or it's a dead rubber. And, you know, you were involved in many, um, you know, doubles, you know, rubbers uh, matches over the, over the years. How, how did you find that? Been all or all or nothing. Uh, yeah, it was a really um, interesting concept, isn't it? And it was actually Renee Stubbs that kind of taught me a lot about that because, you know, as a doubles player, you sit on the side of the court for the whole weekend and you're cheering on your teammates and then you have to get up off the bench and you have to get pumped up and fired up and then it all comes down to the doubles. So it's quite a unique experience and I was involved in a couple of live rubbers, um, the one Ukraine in particular with Ash where... You know, I knew it was going to be my last competitive match that I ever played. Um, so that was even more emphasis on that match of importance for me to obviously want to win. But then I've played another one with Sam Stozer in Slovakia a couple of years back. And you can't beat that feeling of playing a live rubber, though. Um, it's what you kind of want in some ways. Um, but then, yeah, obviously you play a lot of dead rubbers being that fifth rubber, as you said. So had both experiences in as a doubles player you just got to be ready to go when you're asked to 
and you do what's best for your team leading into um, all the other matches. So it's a very unique experience, uh, but one that you do as a doubles player, and at the end of my career I played mostly doubles, that you get used to, and you have play a very, very important role as the doubles player on the team. No, exactly right. You know, 13 doubles wins, I think, off the, um, off the top of my head, um, you know, over the course of your uh, course of your Fed Cup career. So Fed Cup tennis, home and away. Um, in terms of the venue, it's always the host nation. Um, they're, the, they're the country that decides um, the venue and the surface. As a player, um, did you have how much sort of impact or influence did you have on um, you know on on choosing the preferred surface that the the players would would play on? Oh, the players were always consulted, especially once it was a um, decided to be a home tie. So if we knew it was going to be in Australia, there was always consultation with the players in regards to maybe where and what surface. Um, that was always something that we were asked. But ultimately, um, it comes down to a lot of other factors. Um, who can hold it, who, the venue, facilities, um, a lot of factors go into making a decision. But players are certainly consulted, and I think um, when you get a home tie, you've got to use that to your advantage. So whether that be, um, you know, picking somewhere isolated in Australia that deters a lot of the overseas players from coming out or, um, you know, a lot of factors. But I think Perth for this weekend is a perfect uh, venue. The RSC Arena is amazing. It's going to be almost a sellout, which I think when you're playing a Fed Cup final deserves. You should be able to play in front of a full crowd, which they're going to get. And, um, yeah, it's going to be a very exciting weekend of tennis ahead. No, you're right. It should be, yeah, it should be really exciting. And it's, it's great the Perth public have, you know, pretty pretty much packed it out. It's a... A warm, uh, a, a warm, a warm Saturday day one by the looks of it, but um, no, it should be it should be exciting. Fed Cup weeks, as you said, you said it's one of the favourites um, on your calendar. What what makes it different, and what sort of things do they do the girls get up to um, in Fed Cup weeks that may be different from you know your regular weeks on the um, on the tour? Well, for starters, when you regu- when you're just playing regular tournaments on tour, you. Um, mostly do everything by yourself or with your immediate team, whether that be a coach or trainer or maybe a parent. But when you're at Fed Cup Weeks, um, all of that kind of goes out the window and you're basically having breakfast, lunch and dinner with your team. You're practising with your team. You're travelling on the cars and in the bus with your team. So it's such a different feel. So that, for starters, um, makes it different to any other week. And you spend a lot of time with each other, which you don't on regular weeks. So I think that's why they become great... Um, memories because you create lifelong friends, which I have from Fed Cup. So, yeah, I think it's mo- it's mostly that, and then and even on top of that, we have um, you know extra staff, including physios and you know a doctor, and you become friendly with all of them, and they become lifelong friends. And so for me, it was mostly that it felt different because you had a real um, you had a large team around you, and you had your mates um, who your team members out there with you doing it with you. So. Yeah, that was pretty much why it's so different from just your regular week. Looking ahead to 2020, Fed Cup format is changing. Um, what are your thoughts on on the changes? And it goes away from the, the traditional home away ties, home and away ties. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the home and away tie format. Um, some of my favourite memories from Fed Cup of being here in Australia playing for Australia in Australia, you can't, make, can't beat that. So I feel like that um, part of it um, will be missed, no doubt. Um, you know, there's no doubt still though representing your country is going to be always an import, play an important role in, I hope, um, 
the girls' calendar and for future generations. So we'll see how that all unfolds. But um, pretty special that the last kind of home and away type format will be here in Australia and Australia playing for that Fed Cup. It's a very, I guess, momentous occasion and very special one because um, yeah, of the changes next year as well. No, that's right. I know from, from your side, Case, it was you know pretty special for you to end your career um, in Australia playing, you know, Fed Cup, you're, um, you're a star. Um, Australia has loved watching you over the years. And, um, yeah, to have the, the, first, uh, the first guest, so to speak, on the um, you know, Sporting Sites of the Maggio podcast was uh, a pleasure. So um, thank you. And uh, I know everyone looks forward to seeing you on TV screens and on tennis courts um, over the next couple of months. Okay, Sam, we mentioned earlier that this is the last regular Fed Cup as we've known it. Um, there's been a lot going on in the world of tennis in recent years, a lot of changes, a lot of upheaval, and from next year the Fed Cup will change just as the Davis Cup has changed. Um, it'll become what they like to think of as a World Cup of tennis and a, a bit of a festival idea. So basically Australia and France having been in the final this year, they go straight to the finals, which will be in Budapest in April. Um, the other, some of the other teams will have to fight it out a bit earlier in the year. But um, what do you think of the changes? First of all, yeah. Look, I've, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to um, team, team tennis, being Fed Cup and and Davis Cup. I get, I get why. So I get. It's firstly, Davis Cup and Fed Cup are, are run by the ITF. Um, very different to the regular uh, events that are run week in, week out. On the women's side, it's the WTA Tour, um, and on the men's side, it's, it's the ATP Tour, with the ITF also uh, controlling the Grand Slams. Now, the, the, the tough thing is the tennis is such a jam-packed schedule with there's so many tournaments you know, throughout the year. To try and um, fit Davis Cup in, it it it, ha, it does prove tricky in terms of you know qualifying matches and you know the number of weeks that that are needed. So one way of looking at it was trying to obviously condense it a little bit, but it also became a, a commercial you know commercial decision um, with the Cosmos Group putting you know millions and millions of dollars. I don't even know what it is off the top of my head um, into into the Davis Cup system, which you'll see um, you know in Madrid. Uh, next uh, week after next with the with the finals. So I'm not a fan because I like I like that home and away setup where you, you talk to you talk to the players, you talk to the Australians. I mean, Leighton Hewitt's probably one that you know embodies it more than more than anybody. You know, to, to win Davis Cup matches um, over five sets, three days, five ties. Um, it's it's pretty tough in some in some pretty you know, trying circumstances at times, you know, a lot of the, the crowds in Europe are kind of, you know, akin to, you know, soccer crowds and, and that type of thing. So I think that takes away that, that home ground, home court advantage. Um, I see why they've, they've done it, but I, I'm, I look, I'm, I'm not a fan. It's, I always wonder where the players are at because you sometimes hear them speak and they'll say, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not sure about it or I'm going to miss it. But then sometimes we see the players are not always supportive of the traditional forms and that's kind of why they lose their luster. Um, so I guess what sense do you get? Clearly the players you've got in your stable have always embraced playing for their country, you know, um, Matt Ebden and John Pierce and, and Casey Delacqua, just to name a few. They, 
they're clearly not ones who have ever wanted to opt out of that opportunity, but there are many players in the world that have, so... I don't know what you do about that problem. Yeah, I think that comes down to a lot of a lot. It comes down to the individual nations, and and you're spot on that in Australia we've always supported and pushed, you know, Fed Cup and and Davis Cup, and and players have taken great pride in in representing their country, um, and I reckon that is this that is the same in in other countries as as well. It does become trickier in in some of the smaller countries or, or, or countries where they don't have the depth and they may be relying on um, on one you know one player um, and it, it puts a lot of pressure on on that player to a not only a turn up um, but also b you know perform um, and I think as well there are definitely certain weeks in a year in when players will go through that it just it makes it really tough to commit to um, to, to Davis Cup given given schedule given location given change of um surface as well so that's i think this is why you've seen you've seen um a lot of players in the past not australians but other guys from overseas that there'll be years where they don't really target you know davis cup but i think all all of the, the top guys the that they would put winning as winning a davis cup right up there you see guys like Andy Murray um, has has you know obviously played put a put a lot of emphasis on it at certain parts of his career. Nadal's done the same. Um, I know you know Federer and Wawrinka wanted to do the same with Switzerland as well. So um, I think the players definitely do have an um, do put a, a importance on it. But I do see purely from a schedule side of things, um, there are instances where where it is it is just tricky. Um, but as I said, I'm not a fan of completely just you know wiping the whole system and um, yeah playing 18, 18 countries you know in this period that they, they that they're going to do this year. And you know, in some sometimes it's a neutral venue as well, which doesn't do much for the atmosphere probably. Yeah, and I th- on how people support it. And I I read that they got okay ticket sales for Madrid, not amazing. So. It, I mean, clearly Spain are, are going to be part of that, and Rafa Nadal is currently uh, in the lineup. So I don't know. I think it's 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 a big waiting period as well to see to see how these two events go. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and I think on on that it depends. You know, the the the, the public want to see want to see the stars, um, and if you know if it's not in that home ground, it, you know you're not going to see the players that you that you know and you, and you recognise and and you necessarily want to support. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, you see the couple of players as uh, who who aren't playing um, the the Davis Cup um, next week, which is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. That I'm I'm not a fan um, of it um, from a from a traditional side of things, um, but but I can see from a from a player scheduling side of things what why they've done it. But the flip side. Is that you know this is the last week of the year where a lot of guys are tired, they're fatigued, um, they're carrying niggles, um, and some guys are you know looking to um, yeah looking to you know check out a little bit and you know go on a break before they start their start their preseason. So um, be interesting to see how many guys kind of you know can get up and get going um, for the finals and yeah see what happens. It's a, yeah it's a big big time ahead for, for all the governing bodies I reckon. Um, speaking of changes. Um, ATP Cup coming up this summer for the first time. We've been talking about it, feels like, for a few years. But um, another big test, I think, for the ATP Cup. Obviously, 
Australia bid on it, and rightly so. They they had to do that to get the best players playing here in Australia before the Australian Open, rather than maybe in the Middle East or somewhere else. Uh, we've already had Roger Federer pull out, um, which means Switzerland's out because Stan Wawrinka never nominated. Uh, where do you think uh, the ATP Cups going? Do you think it's going to be a success this summer? It's a really, it's a really interesting one. I guess it's probably from, for me, it's probably two sides. It's one from from tennis, you know, tennis generally, and, and how how many of the how many of the big names are going to um, are going to support it. Obviously, it's you'll see a lot that will play will play this year, um, and then from I guess from Australian you know sporting you know side of things, you know, their the tennis landscape. For, for them in terms of what's on offer to you know to view live and also to to view you know on TV is very different and uh, that's what's happened you know previously from a Perth side there's no Hotman Cup anymore um, you go north to obviously Brisbane and the Brisbane International which was you know one of the really unique men's and women's events um, on the on the calendar albeit you know the same tournament you know the ATP and WTA tours um the men's event has um uh is no longer obviously with atp cup the women's event will continue um there's the new event in adelaide which is now a combined one sort of taking over what was the old sydney international so it's yeah it's really changed the the landscape from um from a from viewing side of things and also players as well i think players are players are creatures of habit you know um that they want to do they want to do things that have worked for them in the past um, and that may be playing certain weeks. It might be playing certain locations. So it's a really new, you know, new landscape. Um, uh, it, and it'll be interesting to see what what happens. Um, they obviously want to the ATP in in you know conjunction with you know Tennis Australia um, want to you know try and you know promote this this team's event. Um, I think from an Australian side, I think the you know I think we have the potential to do to, to do very well. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably more of a wait and see, and um, the players are excited by it. I know, I know that. So we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, come January. I think Andy Murray has been among those to say potentially you can't have both ATP Cup and Davis Cup. What do you do? You agree with that? I, I probably agree with that more from a schedule side of things. That you think when the Fed, when the Davis Cup finishes. Um, players then take you know take a bit of break and get back into um, and you know, get back into some off season training. A lot of those top guys in the world, yes, they go and play exhibitions and, and that type of thing, but they don't really kind of get you know stuck into to tournament play that first week of the year. Um, it's a very it's a very short off season, and I think for the success of of the of both events, you, you do need the top players playing. Um, and it just puts a lot of um, it puts a lot of I guess strain physically on them. So I think you'll see a lot of guys will, will look to play it this year. But longer term, um, yeah, I, I I don't see all the top guys playing playing both just because you know the, the short turnaround um, and where they sit on the on the tennis calendar. Are we victims in some ways? A bit of a power struggle in tennis. It's it's been going on for a few years now. For sure. Hundred percent. Look, it's um, it's it's interesting as we said, you know, just before you've got you know the ITF who are, who have got their their agenda with their with their things. You've got you know the ATP and the WTA, um, you know, running the individual tours, um, and you've got the players as well. Um, so yeah, hundred percent, you know, spot on there. Um, and it's going to be in interesting conversations which are happening, 
you know, weekly um, and how that plays out, not over the coming months, but over the, you know, the coming year or so and um, what that looks like moving forward. But for now, it's a celebration of tennis in, in, in Perth come this weekend. We're hoping that the, uh, the Aussies will be triumphant this weekend. But for now, we'll say goodbye with a little uh, note that uh, next week we'll be back, Sam. And what have you got in your brain for next week? So next week, I've uh, got my brain. I've got a lot. <laughs> um, so I think uh, next week, um, yeah, drug, drugs in sport is, uh, is going to be the topic for, um, for, for week number two. Um, there's been there's been so much talk, you know, recently in terms of performance enhancing versus illicit substances in competition tests, out of competition tests. So I think if we can, um, yeah, really look to yeah just break that down, um, yeah, explain what each is, what what it means, um, and what that means for an athlete as well. So um, yeah, today's very big tennis focus, um, but yeah, look forward to what happens um, yeah next week. Brilliant. We'll uh, we'll chat then.